So, okay, well, good morning, everyone. Um, how many of you came out last week to hear my message? Slackers, <laughs> come on. I preached last week. We started a whole new genre of people. You've heard of armchair quarterbacks, right? Yep, everybody's heard of armchair quarterbacks. Well, last week, I preached out of my lazy boy. So now we have lazy boy preachers. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it does sound terrible. Um, but um, preached in the middle of a storm last week. Guess what I preached on? A storm. All right, well, this morning, um, I'm going to ask another question. The question this morning is, who are you surrounding yourself with? Okay, uh, let's, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And again he, speaking of Jesus, again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion same story again in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, in a, bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he saith unto them, unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And another parallel verse again in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2. 
This one does not say specifically about coming to the house, but it's the same story. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy, laying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, saith unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Let's look to the Lord again in prayer. Our God and Father, again, we thank you this morning for this blessed privilege to come here this morning for this simple gathering of your loved ones. Simple gathering, Father, to open your word again this morning, to listen to the words, to the precepts as they would go forth. Father, again, we thank you for sending your Son to heal the sick and the lame, to heal our broken hearts, to bring us back unto thyself. Father, again this morning, we pray that as we would even open your word here now and speak from it, that indeed that you would put the words in my mouth that you would have to go forth from this place, whether to reach the ears of those here or perhaps those listening and watching in the virtual world through their computers. Lord, we pray that not only would it encourage the hearts of those that are not yet that are saved, but it would reach the heart of an unsaved one or ones, that they would make the cry this morning to come to know your Son as his Savior before it be forever too late. Father, again now we just seek your blessing, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, just, uh, just a little background. Um, this first, I want to say story, but it's not a story as such. It's, a, it's an account in the Bible of the Lord Jesus coming into Capernaum. Um, you know, it, it uh, when he's been in, I think it's Mark chapter 9 and verse 1, it says he entered into his city. So a little of, of I guess, historical background on this. It's believed that, uh, that Jesus, when they left, as he was beginning his, his ministry, he set up camp. He moved into Capernaum, and there is where he started his miracles and his teaching. Um, it's believed that this story would have taken place in the house of Peter. Now, there's, there's Bible scholars, as I was looking through all of this, there's Bible scholars that, that said, well, it was his house, because it said it entered into the house. Translations say his house. But it's believed that this would have been the house of Peter. So, uh, again, the city of Capernaum, we're still in that same region that we would have been speaking about in, in earlier messages, on the Sea of Galilee. It's on the northern edge of the, of the Sea of Galilee. Um, it's a city that was not mentioned in the Old Testament. And it's believed that the city would have started about uh, the year, I think they said it was the year 2 B.C., and shortly thereafter, it just completely disappeared. Um, so, just a little historical background. Um, as we continue in our, our little gathering this morning, uh, we look at this, this miracle of Jesus. And, and what I want to focus on this morning is a couple of, I wouldn't say overlooked, but a lot of times as we read the scripture, we just kind of, we know the story. You know the story of the, the feeding of the 5,000. Um, 
we, we saw how Jesus took the little boy's lunch and he fed, Scripture says he fed 5,000 men. Again, we look through what we would say reason and say, and we could imagine that it was at least 5,000 men plus women and children. Could have been upwards of 15,000 people. Um, and as I brought that message, I, I, I sought to challenge us as this little group here this, this, that gathers here every Sunday, besides last Sunday in the middle of the storm. Um, but I, I sought to, to challenge us to not just gather. I mean, we've, we've enjoyed, as I said in that message, we've enjoyed some pretty good meals. We've had Sid, Chris brought a message. Um, we had Matthew. Matthew brought some wonderful messages. But I want us to, to again, to challenge us to not just enjoy what we hear here on a Sunday morning, but to take some of what we've heard, take some of those fragments, those leftovers, take them home, think about it, dwell on it, and try to live it out throughout our week. Uh, last week, we spoke on Peter in the middle of the storm. And the message was meant to challenge us to grow our faith. Like Peter, Peter had faith to get out of that boat in that storm. He said to Jesus, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come out of this boat. Jesus said one word, come. Now, it wasn't that word come that got Peter out of that boat. It was Peter's faith that got him out of the boat. And again, as I preached in that message last week, um, you know, a lot of times we fault Peter and we say, well, he didn't have the faith to continue walking because he took his eyes off of Jesus and he immediately sunk. But he also said something else that showed his faith and the, the depth of his faith. He said, Jesus, save me. Because he knew that the Lord would take out his hand and lift him up out of that water, out of the, the, the storms of life that I know they overtake me. I'm sure they overtake quite a few of us in here. If we're honest, we probably see every one of us. Storms of this life, a lot of times, want to overtake us. But the message last week was meant to, to challenge us to continue to grow our faith. No matter what's going on around us, to never lose faith. This, everything in this world, the Bible tells us in Revelation, everything is going to be burned up. There is going to be nothing left. What we have here, it, that we're going to leave it all behind. We need to, to develop our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to accept Him as our Savior because that's the only thing at the end of this life that will save us. So this morning we want to look at another of Jesus' miracles. It was the healing of the paralytic man. Again, it's another story I'm sure we've all heard from Sunday school days, young days of school, whatever. We've always heard the story how that Jesus came to Capernaum and as he was teaching, there came four guys bearing this, their, another guy on a bed. They couldn't get in, so they broke up the roof. Well, let me just read a little, a little thing here. One day, a farmer grabbed his shotgun to shoot at a flock of pesky crows. Unfortunately, he didn't see his sociable parrot that had joined the crows. After firing a few shots, he walked over to the fallen birds and was surprised to find his parrot badly ruffled with a broken wing. When the farmer's children saw the injured bird, they asked, Dad, what happened? The farmer simply replied, bad company. 
Scripture often warns us to avoid harmful influences. Regardless of our age or spiritual strength, over time, unwise influences will negatively affect our walk with the Lord. Satan is determined to pull us into sin and wreck our lives. And he often uses wrong influences to accomplish his goal. This morning I, I want to challenge us as a gathering. Who are you surrounded by? I read that, that little humorous account of how that this parrot got into bad company. Um, and and I, I want to speak about friendship. Friendship with whoever we come into contact with. I read this verse in, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 5, and verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Um, speaking about the, the, the healing, again, we want to start with this, this man. This man was carried on a bed. He was unable to walk. Now, if we look at, at how history, or not history, but how that, that people in those days, in the times of Jesus, would have if someone had been crippled like that, they were outcasts of society. And it was almost always accounted because they were suffering because of some sin in their lives. You know, we, we read another, another account of, um, of a cripple, and it would have been an act of Jesus. Whose, man, whose sin is it that this man is suffering? Is it his sin, or is it his parents' sin? So it's always accounted in, in these times that someone was suffering, it was because of some aspect of sin in their lives. Um, what I want to focus on this morning are the friends. You know, this, this guy, he must have had some really good friends. I mean, can you just imagine these four, four men, and they must have known this man for quite a while. I mean, it, how would they have known him? Obviously, they didn't play soccer together. If he was crippled and in a bed, he didn't go to high school with these guys. But there was these four guys that decided, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna befriend this man. We're gonna do everything for him. As I said, in, in these particular times, someone in his condition, they would have just put them on the side of the street. They would have had to beg to get enough money to survive from day to day. And he could do nothing for himself. So here come these four men. Now, if we can use our imagination how that they would have picked him, they walked. I mean, I, I know as working with, with fire and rescue, we have somebody that's injured. And I don't know if any of you have ever helped in that kind of situation, but you get on a, on a stretcher, four people carrying a stretcher, no matter how small, how light that person is, they get pretty heavy. <clears throat> they get pretty heavy. So here are these four guys bringing this man through these dusty streets of Capernaum. And they get to this house, and the house is full of people. 
it's full of people. And, and if we go back, uh, I'm having to go through my, my notes here. Um, sorry, I lost my notes. Okay, and it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, I, I, I was thinking about that, you know, it, it, because it speaks of this in the same verse, the Pharisees and the doctors of the Lord. They, were, they, were, they came out to find fault with what Jesus was doing. And I thought about that, you know, because I'm speaking on healing. And I, and I kind of used my imagination to say that, that, you know, when he said, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them, I was thinking that, all right, he's not here to heal people. He's here to heal those Pharisees and the, and the scholars of the law. Because he knew their sinful condition. All they wanted to do was come and find fault for the way that he was, was acting. But as I said, these four men came to this house and it was full of people. So what did they do? I mean, I could imagine them saying to him, uh, Bill, you know, hey, I mean, we tried. You know, we know that Jesus is around in town and you know that, that he heals people and we, we, we really tried, Bill, but we're sorry. I mean, look, just look, we can't even get in the front door. There's, there's people so thick in there, we can't get in the front door. We tried, Bill. We'll just take you back home to your house. But now, Chris said, now, wait a minute now, guys. Come on. We've got to get Bill inside the house. Let's take him up on the roof. Ah, can you imagine I, how it would be in, in one of these mines to say, we're going to go in and take him up to the roof? Well, the roof was, in those days, in those houses, it was a, what we call a, a mud brick structure. It was plastic with mud. The roof, they would have laid beams across. Now, I hope you guys aren't building houses like this back here in Guanakee. <laughs> Charles, you don't build your houses like this. Okay? They, there were beams laid across the top of the, what we would call the plate of the roof. And then there were small sticks that were placed across that. Then there was thatch on top of that. And on top of that thatch, they would have plastered mud, clay. The sun would have baked it, so it would have been pretty, been pretty hard. They decided to take their friend up on this, this roof. There was always a set of stairs on the side of these houses. We looked through archaeological digs. There was a set of stairs that would have gone up the top of this roof. Now on top of the roof, people use their different imaginations again and think, well, what, why would there's a set of stairs going up on the roof? Um, it would have been where they would have probably gone in the cool of the night to try and cool off. It was a, a mud brick structure. <clears throat> if you look at pictures of how the houses would have been in the Middle East, there were probably only two little tiny windows in the whole house, so it got pretty warm. They would have gone up on top of the roof to cool off. Um, they probably would have entertained on the top of this roof. They would have probably put clothes out to dry. Who knows? But anyway, there was a set of stairs going up to this roof, and these four friends would have taken this guy up on the roof. And the scripture tells us that they broke a hole in the roof. <coughs> I was listening to a, a sermon last night on this, just trying to, to get this all in my mind, and the question was asked, how big was the hole? Well, he was on a, on a mat. And they let the mat down inside because scripture says he told he said, 
take up thy bed and walk. So they didn't take him off the bed and let him down through a little tiny hole. No, they would have broken a pretty big hole in that roof to let him down. But the one thing that, as they were digging in this roof, and again, we, we can imagine the scene. Here's Jesus. It says that he was teaching. Now, this whole city, this, this, we know there's one man that's sick. And it says that he, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. was present to heal them. We're not told of anybody else in that building being sick. He said he was teaching. So here's this one sick man, his friends there, they bring him up on top of the roof and they start to break the roof open. You know, I can imagine that Jesus was there with his computer like I am and there's a drop of dust falls down and he looks up and then there's a little more dust and some rocks and some pebbles and just a piece of a leaf and there's old Peter, Peter's going like, wait a minute, wait a minute, somebody breaking my house in, I mean they're coming in through my roof. Uh, uh, Obama's first general, um, would this be considered an act of God? I mean, really, I, you know, does my insurance cover this? <laughs> so, we see how they break this up. What I, what I really want to focus on this morning, again, as I said, is, is who are we surrounding ourselves with? The scripture tells us when Jesus saw their faith. Now, he said to the man also, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Take up thy bed and walk. Because, I mean, he had to believe as well. He had to believe as well through faith that his four friends were taking him up on that house and they let him down to the roof. He was going to be healed. But I want to focus on the four friends. They were determined. They were determined they were not going to turn back. And they got to the front door and it was full. So they took him up on the roof. They, they took they had a lot of trouble. But it was their extraordinary faith that overcame the barriers. It was their faith that Jesus said to them, said to the man, thy sins are forgiven thee again. And, and we, we look at the context of it. The Pharisees and the scribes, they started to argue amongst themselves that, this man's blaspheming God. Who can heal or who can forgive someone of sins but God only? You know, they, Jesus said, you know, what's easier to say, thy sins are forgiven thee, or take up thy bed and walk? Well, it would have been a lot easier to say, or it was a lot easier to say, thy sins are forgiven thee. Because, you know, I could say to each of you, your sins are forgiven you. Well, I don't know. You don't know, really. The only person that would know would be God. So it was a lot easier for him to say, your sins are forgiven you. But he said, okay, just because you, you question me, I'm going to say to this man, take up thy bed and walk. So we see how their faith impacted Jesus' decision. And what I want to see, what I want us to develop here is for us to choose our friends wisely. Um, I don't remember the whole details of it, but I was reading about about Bart Simpson. Anybody? I turned the TV on and seen The Simpsons, and I'm like, <laughs> no way. And I turned it back off. Anyway, Bart Simpson 
was failing fourth grade. And so he just tried to figure it out, figure out that he had one more chance. The teacher told him that he had one more chance. So he enlisted the, the, the help of the school genius, his class genius. Well, the class genius decided, okay, I'll help you. And he was helping him a little bit, you know, and they were, they were going on through the rest of the school year, and the school genius, who was as straight laced as he could be, I mean, he did nothing wrong. Well, by the time it ended up, he started pulling pranks on people. He was using foul language. And he just totally developed the traits that Bart was known for. And so that's what I want to would encourage us as a gathering here this morning. You know, that I'm not saying to you that we should avoid, totally avoid, a person who's not a Christian or a person who uses foul language. But we can just we can we can voice our displeasure in the use of their language or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it, it's it's so easy for us to be drugged down. You know, I want to I want to do a little. Hold on, a second. I want to just. We're gonna have we're gonna have some some object lessons here today. I want you to stand up on the chair. Yep. Satan's not going down without a fight, believe me. He is not going down without a fight. Right now, this morning, he tried to do something to disrupt this meeting. He's probably trying to do it right now. Whether the internet fails or my computer crashes or Chris and Jamie couldn't get up here because their golf cart wouldn't start. You know, it's, Satan's not going down without a fight. So he's going to do his best to disrupt our walk with Christ. But if we surround ourselves, you know, I think of I think of, of Job when Satan came before God and he said, you know, have you considered your servant Job? You know, you move that hedge from around Job and he'll curse you. God knew the faith of Job and he said, all right, how about it? But it's it tells us that that Satan said to God, remove the hedge round about Job. He knew. See, he knew that that. Right now, God has a hedge around His people. But we need to be cognizant as well that Satan is right outside. 
you know, when we leave this, this circle of friends here and we start to hang out with this circle of friends over here, there's a good chance that Satan's going to use those, that bad influence, just like that parrot. He was in bad company. He's going to use that bad influence to affect our lives. And that's what I want to challenge us as a, as a group of people here this morning. As a group of, of and, I, and I pray that everyone in this, under, the sound, under this roof, under the sound of my word this morning, is a Christian here this morning. Surround ourselves with like-minded people. Surround ourselves. We should still reach out. There's, there's, there's a, the, the, the fields are ripe unto harvest. There are unsaved people in this world. There are unsaved people, maybe here, that we need to reach, that need to know that there is a saving God, that there is somebody that can heal us. We're paralyzed with sin. He can make us walk again. But we need to surround ourselves with people that will build us up. You know, and I, I, I thought as I was coming down in the boat this morning, you know, I, I want to tell, don't pick friends that are going to let you down. And you, I know, I know, you're right there going, wait a minute, preacher. This guy had four friends that let him down. <laughs> Correct, he did. He had four friends that let him down, but he was like George Jefferson. He's moving on up. <laughs> okay? Because he, they let him down through the roof because that was the only way to reach Christ. Because they knew that Christ was inside of that building. They had to go in through that roof. So they let him down. They're not like the undertaker, the last man to let him down. They knew that they had to go to let him down. But Jesus raised him up. And I, and I guess if we could look at that as an analogy of us as well. Or at least an analogy of my life. I was sinking deep in sin. But Christ raised me up. And we need to, to have friends. Just a couple of things about friends. Uh, friends rejoice in one another. Friends work for the good of their friend. Friends are celebrants, advocates, defenders of their friends. Friends become encouragers. Bet you've never heard this one, right? Friends are thicker than blood. Friendship can be thicker than blood. Um, another one, we all say it quite a bit. Friends you can choose, family you stuck with for life. <laughs> now, that's, 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 uh, that's not probably not going to say that. My parents are listening in on here. They're like, okay. <laughs> But you know, I, as I think it too, a lot of times we listen to the unsaved world and say, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go out and have a great time with my friends. We're going to party, man. We're going to party. And when we leave this world, we're going to party in another place. You know? That's all right. My friends are going to hell. I'm going with you because you'll be able to party over there. I want to read one verse and show you just how dangerous that can be. Matthew chapter 13, verse 42 says, And shall cast them into, for speaking of the unsaved, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There ain't no party there. I'm sorry to spoil that. that what maybe some of the, the pipe ring of 
somebody, there's no party in hell. So we need to, to surround ourselves with like-minded people, people that are going to build us up, people that won't bring us down, people that will strengthen our faith. Just one last thing as I, as I close this out. It's reported that Howard Hughes, when worth approximately $4 billion, said, I'd give it all for one good friend. Now, he was meaning, I know, I, 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 we looked at this and go, oh, he, he didn't have anybody else in the world. That's the reason why he said that. Yeah, I, if we know him and read the, the history of Howard Hughes, he was a loner. He was um, mentally disturbed and he segregated himself from the rest of the world thinking that they were going to make him sick and he died a lonely man. So, yeah, he, he would have given his fortune for a friend, for a friend. But I want to use that. I give it all for one good friend. If we could all just take one person that's going to, that, that Christ can use to enrich our faith, to lift us up, then choose that friend. Who are you walking with? Who are you surrounding yourself with this morning? Is it somebody that's like-minded? Someone that Christ can use to build us up? Or is it somebody that's going to pull us down? Just like we saw in the little object lesson. Choose who you surround yourself with. Let's ask God's blessing again. Father, again this morning, we thank you for this opportunity. Again this morning that we could Gather here and open your word. Lord, we pray this morning that these few simple words might be used in the furtherance of your gospel. These simple words, may we realize that we need to choose our friends wisely. We need to surround our friends, uh, ourselves, with friends like the four that carried this man, the four that saw how that he was suffering. That went beyond the call, as it were, to lift him up, to carry him to Jesus, to be healed. Father, we pray for friends, for loved ones around us like these people, these four men, those that would pray. We know in the past, Father, that there are those that would have prayed for us privately to see our souls saved. We pray again this morning, Father, that if there be one in this place who does not know your son as his Savior, that they might be some even here in this gathering this morning, that you would use to surround their lives in prayer, encouragement, have them come to accept your son as a savior before it be forever too late. Father, again, I would just ask your blessing as we would depart from this place. Again, may we take something that we've learned here this morning and continue to think and dwell on it and feast on it throughout the remainder of this week. Father, we just ask your parting blessing now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.